One month after Theo was born, I had one of the biggest scares of my entire life. It was around five in the evening. I was on maternity leave and Theo had fallen asleep while nursing. I sat there on the couch holding him, topless and in the mesh underwear they give you at the hospital. I went to stand up and this sharp, searing pain shot through my abdomen and back. My stomach started to ache as I walked to Theo's bassinet. I laid him down and left to go to the kitchen, thinking maybe I just needed something to eat. I made a peanut butter sandwich, which would prove to be a huge mistake in about 30 minutes. And I ate and tried to walk off the pain while Theo slept. The pain kept getting worse and I started to panic. There I was, a sleep-deprived, discombobulated mother of a newborn all alone in my apartment. I was terrified. The pain was getting worse and I started to moan and scream, muffled by a pillow, as to not wake Theo. Eventually, I called Albert crying and screaming in pain. I had no idea what was happening to me. I remember when I called him, he could barely understand me through my sobs and screams. He at first thought something had happened to Theo, which was a fair assumption from the state I was in. He finally was able to understand me and said he was leaving right then. It would take him about 45 minutes to an hour from his job in Dumbo, Brooklyn to our apartment in Washington Heights, Manhattan. I felt so faint all of a sudden. I told him I needed to call 911, that I couldn't be alone for an hour. I was afraid of passing out and leaving Theo unattended and our pup Petunia freaking out. I couldn't control my emotions anymore and woke Theo. I went in to get him and set him on our bed. He started crying from my emotional outburst. I sat on the bed and called 911. The pain was unbearable. I felt like I was on fire. As I was explaining to the 911 operator what was going on, I proceeded to vomit all over our bed. It was the damn peanut butter sandwich. As I tried to speak again, I vomited. Again. I felt weak and lightheaded. Theo was screaming. Petunia was whimpering and barking. I was finally able to get out the address and hung up. I sat there sobbing, trying to console all the little things. I felt utterly defeated and so afraid. Am I confused? Yes. Is this going to get weird? <laughs> it already has. Am I scared? Shitless. Let's go down the widow rabbit hole together. Thank you for listening. This is how I got back to my childhood bedroom. As I sat there in a cold sweat crying, our buzzer went off. I went to let them in, holding Theo, even though it was incredibly painful to do so. I got a bottle together for him and the EMTs came in, a man and a woman. By that point, I'd put clothes on, so no, I wasn't topless when they arrived. <laughs> the man took Theo and the woman had me sit down. She proceeded to massage my back and he fed Theo. I started to feel a bit better, but my back was so sore from the throbbing and burning sensation I had felt. My body was so tired and I was mentally exhausted. They asked me to go through what had happened while we waited for Albert to get home so he could stay with Theo while I went to the hospital. I explained, still fighting off bits of pain, and their immediate thoughts were that it could be something to do with the birth. But honestly, none of us knew. They monitored me, and the woman kept massaging my back. The man was wonderful with Theo. I truly can't believe what luck I had to have such caring and loving EMTs. They didn't make me feel silly for calling. They treated me with respect and dignity. I'm sure they could see the fear on my face as well, my look of utter shock and desperation. Finally, Albert arrived, very concerned, but incredibly relieved to see that I had been taken care of and not hysterical anymore. 
For the first time, I left Theo. I'd never been to the hospital alone. I'd just been there giving birth, and I really didn't want to go back so soon. I had so much anxiety about leaving Theo and Albert. I had no doubt that Albert would take amazing care of Theo. I was just scared. Our friend Eugene had shown up to help right as I was leaving, so I knew everything was in good hands. I also felt terrible because Albert was left to clean up the mega puke storm in our bedroom. He was so good. He never made me feel bad, not once. As I entered the hospital, my sister was with me by that point. I was feeling much better, but I felt it best to be checked out. They ran a bunch of tests and did an ultrasound on my stomach. The ultrasound showed very small stones in my gallbladder and some sludge creating some blockage. But the doctor said he didn't think that was what was causing my pain. You see, Albert had been sick a couple days before, throwing up. The doctor said, you probably just have a stomach bug. He looked at me with pity and this look of, oh, this poor new mom is just exhausted and needs a break. Ugh. <laughs> I had eaten a couple things since being there and I started feeling horrible again and threw up a few more times. I could not keep anything down. After a certain point, my sister went home and I was left all alone. I laid on the gurney and cried silently. I felt so vulnerable. I never up until that point felt so alone. I was checked on periodically, but was pretty much dismissed. The next morning, they told me I was going to be discharged. I waited a bit and started feeling sick again and threw up and then also shit my pants. If I didn't already feel like absolute garbage, let's throw that on the pile. I embarrassingly walked up to the nurse's desk and asked for a pair of pants, to which they gave me the most ginormous pair of gray sweatpants. I felt terrible. Like, could this get any worse? <laughs> <laughs> so I am discharged, even though I still feel very sick. I walk out of the hospital, so bewildered and pushed aside. I truly felt like they didn't care, and that was hard. The next five months were long and painful. I lost a good 20 pounds because I couldn't eat anything. I was relegated to plain turkey sandwiches, pretzels, and apples which are tasty, but after being able to only eat those things for months is not fulfilling for someone like me who loves food. But I liked what I saw in the mirror. I was slimmer than I had been in years. I felt incredibly sexy. I told myself that once my health was figured out, I would still continue to implement these eating habits into my normal life, that I would work to keep the weight off. Well, I know now those were unhealthy thoughts. My body was sick. The only reason I was this skinny was because I endured hours of pain at a time and occasionally throwing up and incredibly restrictive eating. That was not attainable for the long term, but I was blinded by the compliments I received, the way men looked at me walking down the street and the way my clothing fit. After five months, the doctors finally decided that my gallbladder indeed should be removed. So a few days later, I underwent the surgery. And then as time went by, I gained all the weight back and then some. I started to feel my self-worth plummet. I no longer felt desirable or beautiful. I felt like a completely different person. I was lost. And to be honest, I was lost for a long time after that. Albert's death could have ensured that I never ran a brush through my hair again. But I did. And I found my way out of the widow's self-care sabotage. I've always battled with my weight. I barely remember a time when I wasn't on some kind of diet, even as a young girl. 
In middle school, I would take my slim fast to school and ask my teacher to keep it in her fridge. Every day I would retrieve it and head to lunch. I would sit with the popular girls while they ate their lunches, their trim bodies and perfect hair. I just wanted to be like them. I was on the outer ring of the popular crowd. I was invited to sit with them at lunch and to their sleepovers, but I was not truly one of them. My hair was frizzy, my body not developed or slim. My clothes, however, were on point. I've always been into fashion and love pushing the boundaries every now and again. So I had that going for me. <laughs> Even now, I am by no means slim, but I can rock a romper as well as anyone else can. I love clothing, shoes, makeup, hair products, but I also love going out without a stitch of makeup on. It truly depends on the day. As a widow, my self-worth pretty much plummeted to the depths of hell. I no longer was the first thing on anyone's mind, aside from Albert dying and everyone thinking of me and Theo. <laughs> I mean that there is no one out there thinking they should buy me flowers just because. Or, hey, Brianna really likes that ice cream, I should pick it up for her. My picture is no longer on someone's desk at work. I have no one to surprise at the office with lunch or plan Valentine's Day for. There is no one to pour me a glass of wine while I cook dinner and look at me longingly. There is no one saving a seat for me at a table. It is all these little things you don't think about. These tiny moments of love and understanding. Things that you take for granted until they are no longer with you. Most mornings I arise around 6 a.m. I drink a glass of water, possibly with lemon. Then I venture into coffee. I sit and enjoy my quiet, my hot coffee, and think about the day ahead and what I want to accomplish. If I'm lucky, Theo will sleep just long enough for me to get a shower in before he wakes up. As I step into the shower, the hot water pours over me and I feel truly alone for just a moment. Alone in a very good way. Sometimes I recall memories of Albert, specifically how he had this insane shower routine. I mean, maybe it's not insane, but he was very specific about it. <laughs> Shampoo, twice. Lather body for a few minutes with soap and rinse. Then, wash face. Washing his face always had to be last because, God forbid, he washed his face and then shampooed, he would have to start all over again. Albert was a creature of habit. He was type A to a T. Me? Uh, not so much. Occasionally... I let my mind drift to nothingness as I let the hot water hit me. To feel nothing can be a sweet, welcoming feeling, especially to someone like me who has all the feels all the time. So there I am with water running over me, lathering my body, washing my hair, shaving my legs, and cleansing my face, starting to feel more like myself with every step I complete, washing away the previous day and whatever baggage I was still carrying. I step out and take a breath, grab my towel and wrap it around me. I apply my moisturizing cream to my face and neck and dab on my eye cream gently. I take out my wide tooth comb and run it through my hair. I look at myself. There I am in my most basic form, the real me, the me so few have seen besides Albert. As I comb my hair and apply the cream to my face, I see the lines form around my eyes and my mouth. I see the grays coming through full force in my hair. 
I see a couple of skin tags that I have sworn I'm going to get removed sooner rather than later. I see the hundreds of freckles that encase my body in stretch marks that tell a story. A story of a young girl who didn't know her own worth. A woman who lost herself as a new mother. And a woman who is on a journey of self-rediscovery after a loss so deep that she will never recover. I see breasts that aren't as perky as they used to be and curse my less-than-perfect body in a moment of self-deprecation. A moment that is fleeting, but all the same ignorant. Why would I curse this body? This body is a magnificent museum of art built from years of triumphs, love, good, bad decisions, closing a club at 5 a.m., crying in the middle of the street in New Orleans because I was so drunk and so hungry, scrubbing poop out of a rug from a diaper explosion at 2 in the morning, and laying in Albert's arms at the end of a long, exhausting day. This body has experienced the most purest form of love there is and the most devastating heartache there is. What a beautiful thing to behold as I stand in my presence in the mirror. I am a living body of proof that one can experience the most extreme joy and sadness and still be standing. As I continue to get ready for the day, I hear Theo waking up and run upstairs to get him. I bring him down into the basement. Yep, I am now a millennial cliche. <laughs> I live in my parents' basement, but this is actually great news. My parents have an in-law suite essentially in their basement. I have my own bathroom, my own half kitchen, and a living space. It is still a work in progress, but it is coming along nicely. I bought all new furniture, which honestly has been so much fun. I can pick out things I like, things that make me happy, like the sign in my bathroom, for instance. It's a quote from Mean Girls. Um, you're like really pretty. <laughs> that was terrible. Um, <laughs> I have an awesome geometric rug in blues, grays, and mustard. I bought a mid-century modern dresser that is drool-worthy. Also, retail therapy is 100% a widow thing. Just ask about any widow and she will fess up to going on a shopping spree. For me, it didn't just end at furniture. It's clothing, hair products, new shoes, makeup, clothes and toys for Theo. That pillow that I didn't need, but I wanted it, so I got it, to kind of quote Ariana Grande. The toddler roller coaster in the backyard for Theo, did we need it? Nope but I thought he deserved it. I honestly have no shame about this. It is completely normal, and I have definitely reeled it in much more in the last month or so. And now I'm focusing on my next steps, steps into the future, what I want and need to achieve to give Theo and I our best life. I watch myself in the mirror as I get dressed for the day. I pull on my favorite jumpsuit, sliding it up over my body and strong thighs, my soft hips, and my cuddly belly, the belly that once held Theo, and my arms that still carry him, the arms that clung to Albert's cold body in the room at the funeral home. I look at my body, taking it in, all of its imperfections, but all of it beautifully perfect. This body has been through hell, but it has not failed me. While I am not the woman I once was, my body has been with me and I in turn must show it grace and revel in its worth. Treating myself with kindness has never been my forte, but it is something I am working on every single day. But as I watch in the mirror moving about, I smile. I smile because I am happy and my body is not my prisoner. It is a testament to the trauma it has endured. 
from the endless dieting as a teen to the nick on my leg when I first started shaving to the birth of my son, the gallbladder removal scar, to the weight gain and loss after Albert's death. I see it. I see a body worth loving because of the trauma. These last few months, I've spent precious time taking care of myself. And selfishly, I've been putting myself first, something I rarely do. I have truly been working on every aspect. Self-care and self-love aren't just about looks. It's so much more. I've been looking inward to find the love I deserve. I let my mind go to the darkest places at times, too. Places of self-doubt, body hatred, unworthiness. Don't worry, I never stay there very long, but I think most people have these dark moments, and that's okay. There is balance. In order to see the light, you must venture into the dark. The mind can be a very scary place. You can start to doubt everything about yourself. Am I on the right path? Will anyone ever love me again? Will I love me again? It can be hard to look in the mirror sometimes, to see the signs of aging, And while most days I like what I see, it isn't always like that. I see what grief has done to me. As I age and my body and mind change, I'm reminded that Albert will always be 39. He is eternally frozen in time. I will wonder what he would have looked like at 50, 65, and 90. I will always wonder how everything could have been so different. I will watch my face and body change over the years and revel in it. I will be grateful for the gift of life. And while none of us know when the sun will set on our lives, I will try to live in the moment and love myself for as long as I am breathing because Albert and so many did not have the chance to live a long life. As the years go by and I approach 40 and then turn 40, I will be older than Albert was when he died. What a strange day that will be to be older than my husband, to see what is beyond that number, to experience life at an age he will never be. That is why I look at myself and see the signs of life, of love, laughter, deep sadness, and anger. I am living and breathing and loving despite everything. To shun my body, my face, my hair, would be to scoff at all that I have been given all the life I have lived and all the life so many others have not been able to live. The next time you look at yourself, think about how you got those beautiful lines, curves, and colors on your body. Remember all the fun and love you shared with people. Remember that while it is okay and perfectly normal to feel unsure of your ever-changing, ever-aging body, it is not okay to belittle yourself over it. Give yourself grace and be thankful you have a body to gaze upon and love with. Your body is a warrior. It has seen you through the darkest moments and has kept going. Revel in its magic and stunning ability to get out of bed each morning. It holds every ounce of you. It holds you, your aura, your vibe, your light, your darkness, your joy, your tears, your love. Your body is a thing of sheer beauty. Never let anyone tell you otherwise. I can only hope that we can help each other. 
I would love to hear from you, whether it be questions, comments, your own personal stories, or topics you would like to hear discussed. Please visit anchor.fm slash brianna-simpson and click on the send voice message button. On my private Facebook page entitled The Same as the Podcast, I share exclusives on upcoming episodes, guests, and a special Spotify playlist updated every week with songs that are inspired by each episode. I'm Brianna, your friendly, quirky, next-door widow. Thank you for listening. This is How I Got Back to My Childhood Bedroom.